This is the Ezra podcast. And we got Jake Paul fight weekend. And Jake Paul is at the point where he can call, you know, where we can get to the point where we can call Jake Paul fight weekend. And that's because he kills it on the mic when he's on it. He chooses the right strategy. He knows how to use social media. He's been matched perfectly to this point. He's building up controversy to this point. And he's on added on top of a year where boxing has stolen a lot of the headlines when it comes to fighting sports. When it comes to competing with MMA, UFC. On taking headlines, boxing has had has done a very good job of taking the headlines. I would say it's majority of the year the boxing has owned the headlines. Good and some bad headlines. And Jake Paul is at the center of it all when it comes when it comes to stealing headlines. And this weekend is weekend he's going to own. Well, there is a UFC fight this weekend, not pay-per-view. You got a, um, a decent fight, too. More for, you know, hardcore, I think, MMA fans. It's going to go under, you know, under the radar because Jake Paul is fighting an MMA fighter in Tyron Woodley. And I think most people think Tyron Woodley is a pretty credible opponent for Jake Paul. And I think because the, the you know, the... It's not very high bar to be a credible opponent for Jake Paul. If you're including the fighters that he's, you know, fought to this point. I think that, you know, Tyron Woodley brings stuff that those fighters weren't able to bring. You got experience. You got, you know, some athleticism. You got some explosion. You got some knockout power. But I think it's the key things that he's still not bringing to the table. That I think Jake Paul's management, trainers, the marketing of all this have been so good at, you know, brushing under the rug. Is that every one of these guys is undersized. And Tyron Woodley's no different. And they're not just undersized by 5 pounds, 10 pounds. They're undersized by 20 to 30 pounds. Now, Tyron Woodley fought at 130 pounds. I mean, I'm sorry, 170 pounds in the UFC. When he goes in to fight Jake Paul, they'll be coming in about 190 pounds, 195 pounds. That's a 20-pound difference, 25-pound difference. Also, remember that Tyron Woodley probably walks around at that weight. When he's in shape, that's probably the weight he is, and then he cuts to 170. Jake Paul is cutting to that weight. So he probably walks around about 200 to 210 pounds and then cuts down to 190. This is a huge advantage, especially if the skill-wise is even or may even favor Jake Paul. Well, then this is a humongous advantage. And everyone has kind of just accepted it. Why? Because Jake Paul embraces that he's a YouTuber. He embraces that he's a social media guy. He embraces that he was on Disney Channel. So it says, so it, you can't just go in and say, well, he's bigger than me. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You're an actual fighter, and this guy's a YouTube act. He's a Disney actor. And all that gets brushed under the thing. And it it's, puts everybody at disadvantage, right? But the truth is that Tyrone Woodley, right? Because Jake Paul is has some skill. He is taking boxing seriously. He is training. He is sparring decent level, right? Oh, I mean, fighters, guys that fight, 
He's doing it committed. He's training pretty much year-round now. And Tyron Woodley is an MMA fighter. Very good one. And when in his prime, right? When he was in his prime, he was one of the best. But he was able to use a lot of tools to emphasize the power punching, right? To, to bring out the power punching, he was able to threaten takedowns, threaten leg kicks, threaten head kicks, threatening a spinning attack, threaten a clinch. All these things were used to set up the punch. But now when you just have punches to set up punches, it's a completely different game. And Tyron Woodley is not going to be very skilled at doing that. And all the things that he's bad at in stand-up and in in when it comes to boxing is going to be exposed in this fight. And Jake Paul never had to rely on anything else but his hands, right? So maybe Jake Paul doesn't know how to set up everything, but he's going to be more comfortable using his hands because he's never had to use everything else. So he never had to gain bad habits or rely on anything that wasn't available in this rule set of fighting. And Tyra Woodley did. So he has to forget all that, those natural instincts of him. He has to get rid of all those and learn something that he had never had to learn before. Now, sure, yes, he hit pads before. Sure, yes, I'm sure he's done some boxing sparring before. I've seen Tyron Woodley train at wildcard gym. I've seen it. I was in there with him. I was training in there. I've never seen him spar a fighter, a boxer in there. In prison, I don't think he was allowed to. Maybe because he had a target on his back, I'm sure. Maybe it wouldn't even be, you know, useful to him. Especially because he fights MMA. What is, you know, boxing with a boxer really going to do? Because you're not going to be able to do that. Or you're not going to get these looks in an MMA fight. But Jake Paul. Doesn't. Has all the advantages in that part too. And he is going to be looser in this fight. And he's going to have more skills of closer to a boxer than Tyron Woodley is. And I know people don't get that. And they're not, they're not, they don't understand that, how that could be. But it is. It's going to be the truth. And he's going to have a 30-pound advantage, 30-pound weight advantage. Now, I do expect some point Jake Paul to get sloppy. And I do expect the same from Tyron Woodley. I do expect that as soon as someone could take Jake Paul's power in the first round, then the second, third round, fourth round, fifth round, it could get pretty ugly. Now, if it doesn't, and Jake Paul just puts on a lesson for Tyron Woodley, right? And he just outboxes him for eight rounds. And at no point does it look sloppy. And no point does it look like he, it gets ugly. I'm going to have to say we've got to have to start taking Jake Paul seriously in this boxing thing. Because I admit that. He's gained my respect in certain points of fighting. Yes, he has. And getting in that ring is a real deal. You can't fake that when you're getting in with guys like Ben Askren, who's a trained fighter. You can't fake it. This is a guy that's really taking this seriously. He's really committed. I don't think I need to say that. I think we're all on the same page there. But if he goes and puts it on Tyron Woodley and doesn't look sloppy at any point, doesn't look amateurish, looks like a legit fighter, Against a guy like Tyron Woodley, who's experienced enough of getting hit, experienced enough of, you know, exchanging fire with someone, I think we got to start taking Jake Paul a little more seriously than we are as a legit fighter. How do I expect this fight to play out? I think Jake Paul's power is going to, uh, power and size is going to be a factor. It's going to keep Tyron Woodley honest. 
The thing, the other uh, truth about Tyron Woodley is he's definitely on the downside of his career, on a major downside. Definitely not the same guy, a shell of his former self. And I know that people think, well, yeah, that's against top-level MMA fighters, but that's not Jake Paul. You're going to be incorrect on that. Because Tyron Willie's not a top-level boxer. So when he enters here, he's low-level. And he's fighting a guy that's low-level, but he's used to competing at this point at low-level. He's comfortable in there. He's not afraid. He's not scared. That's going to affect him. I think Jay Paul's going to start out early, start out fast, then adjust. I think we're going to get a lot of holding in this fight around the third, fourth, fifth round. But I think Jake Paul's shot's going to go first. I think he's going to be looser. I think he's going to be more comfortable with letting go. I don't think he's going to have to think about it too much. I expect him to get hit with some shots, but I think Tyron Willie's power is not going to carry that well at 190 pounds. I think in an ugly... But highlights for Jake Paul, he wins a decision. And he sets up a fight with Tommy Fury. Which is a matchup that makes sense. I would avoid if I was running with if I was running the game for Jake Paul, right? If I was running his management, his matchups, I would say, I don't get this. I don't get this. I get it. He's kind of a name. He's Tyson Fury's brother. I get it that he hasn't really fought anyone, so he's kind of doing what you're doing, but he's more skilled at boxing. He's been doing it longer. He has a more repertoire of punches. He's still smaller than you, but he's definitely gaining more on the size, heading in the direction of the size of being kind of equal. I think that's the mistake they're making. That fight next is the mistake they're making. Now, it's definitely an interesting fight. I think it's do, it does very well, especially if Jake Paul, you know, beats Tyron Woodley one-sided, then it looks like a way better matchup. And Jake, and Tommy Fury looks good in his matchup, which he's fighting a guy that's about 155 pounds naturally, and they're fighting about 190, 180. It sets it up. It makes a good storyline. I don't think it's the right move for Jake Paul. I think Jake Paul could keep going the MMA route and just fight guys that are better MMA fighters but still don't have the experience of boxing. But that doesn't look like the direction they're going. I think at one point they wanted to fight Floyd. I think Floyd saw his age when he fought Logan Paul, who would have thought. And he said, "Uh, no, this could end badly for me. And I think that they went, the plan B was with Tommy Fury saying this could make, you know, Jake Paul legit prospect, legit guy in boxing if he beats him. I get it. I don't think the risk is worth it for if you have a cash cow like Jake Paul. I think Tyron Woodley loses this fight. I think this is probably the last we see of Tyron Woodley. Maybe, you know, bare knuckle, something like that. Maybe Bellator run, but I think this is a good payday for Tyron Woodley. Unfortunately, I think he comes up short in it. And we go to, you know, set up a big fight with Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. On the undercard, you have Amanda Sarando versus Yalmech. I'm going to mess this up. I admit that. Yalmech Mercado. I got her last name right. I know that for sure. And Serrano, this is a, this is a big opportunity for Serrano. 
one of the vets of the game, one of the best women boxers we have, also fights MMA. And this is a, you know, a moment for her to get a good payday, get in front of a lot of viewers. And I think she's going to have a pretty entertaining fight because Mercado is very tough. And I expect Mercado to be able to move around the ring a little bit, to go some rounds, take some big shots. I expect her to lose majority of the rounds, but I expect her to be competitive and come in there to win. I don't expect her to come in to lose. And I think that she's going to walk through shots. And I think people are going to be entertained by it. And they're going to be praising her toughness at the end of this. But Serrano is free-flowing. She has good straight shots. She's good combination. Decent speed. Good power. She's got a complete package. Now her legs could be better than what she shows. I think that her style is more aggressive, more... She has the weapons, so she's going to use them. I think she could be a little defensively better, and I expect her, because she doesn't emphasize on defense, she doesn't focus on it, she's going to hit, get hit with some shots. She's going to win most of these rounds. She's going to be active. I think uh, Mercado, like I said, is going to show toughness in this fight. She's going to hit. She's going to land some looping shots as well because she's going to be able to exchange. She's going to want to exchange with Serrano. And Serrano, if she can land offense, she's going to go. She don't care if somebody's coming back. She just thinks her offense is better. This is good matchmaking, honestly. I think it's leads to an entertaining fight. And I think it brings Serrano a little more attention and hopefully sets up something with Katie Taylor because that's the fight we all want to see. I'll take Serrano by, I'm going to say, decision. I think Mercado's going to be able to tough this one out. I think people are going to call her a warrior at the end of this and Serrano gets a big win, this year, a big win on a big card. The next fight, and the fight I'm most excited for on this card, is Montana Love, which is a great name. Sounds like a wrestler's name. Versus Ivan Brainchek. And Ivan Brainchek, who just had fight of the year last year, in a fight that was, I believe, eight total knock- knockdowns, ended with him getting slept in probably, you know, probably uh, one of the best candidates for knockout of the year last year. Um, and he's coming in, right, moving up a weight, and I think that maybe this is some of the matchmaking there is thinking he's probably most vulnerable, right, coming off, getting knocked out, cold, moving up in a weight class he's never really fought before. But I think this is still a hell of a matchup, and I think Montana Love's a very talented fighter, but I think he still has some very question, uh, some pretty, you know, pretty decent-sized question marks in his game. Now, there's not a lot of footage to watch Montana Love. I saw... Uh, a fight on Showbox. I seen some sparring he did with, you know, uh, Tank Davis. I seen some sparring he did with Erickson Lubin. The Lubin one, he was, get, he was getting hit with some big shots. But I think he's, you know, he's kind of undersized the Lubin. So I'm not sure that was the best sparring for him. But from what I've seen from him, right, he's defensively, he's aware. He, he's looking to, do, you know, he's looking for defense first. He wants to be in the middle of the ring. He wants to pick his shots. He's not go, go, go. But he's definitely not... Um, a boring fighter, and he's not like a move all around the ring. He's more defensive, his upper body, and picking shots. He's got a big um, right hook, and Braincheck is go forward, explode, big shots, puts power into everything. The point where this fight gets interesting is because Montana Love wants to stay in the middle of the ring, and because Braincheck wants to come forward, and 
we got a South Pole versus Orthodox, so it might lead to some tripping, falling in, but I think it could lead to some good action. And I think Montana Love, the question marks that I have for him, is pressure. And I think that Branchick is not just throwing shots at a general vicinity. No, he's pretty precise with his shots, even though they're wild, but he sets them up with some good movement. He has some good switches on the inside. And even his looping shots seem to find a good, he seems to be able to find the target. With that kind of pressure, with that, that kind of precision, I can see Montana Love having some problems here. I think he's going to be able to land some clean shots. I think he's going to be able to win some rounds. But I think there's going to be a point where he's going to have to survive in this fight. And I think Branchick is maybe being set up here to be like, okay, you're, you're kind of a name, but you're kind of on the downside now. And you just got knocked out. And you're coming into a weight that makes you susceptible But I think Montana Love still has some question marks. And I think that they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna need answers. And they're gonna need answers this weekend. I think this is the best fight of the boxing card. It might be the best fight of the weekend, even including the UFC card. And I think that we're gonna have some answers on what Montana Love has and what's left of brain check. And can he create something now at the welterweight division? I'll pick Montana Love in a decision, in a fight that I think he's going to have to survive at points, hold at points, but he's going to win a majority of the rounds. And we're going to see if he can put on a complete performance, I'll still be impressed with it. Now, if he goes in there and sleeps brain check right away, well then, maybe that's just you know prior damage to brain check that had happened. We're going to see. Let's see what level we get a brain check. I think it's still going to be pretty decent. And let's see what we get a Montana Love, who I think... Has talent, but maybe I want to see where he is mentally. When the pressure's on, when big shots are landed, in big exchanges, I want to see where he's at. I think this is a great fight. I think the card's decent. You got uh, Daniel Dubois, who's looking to earn his way back to a heavyweight title. Tommy Fury's on the card. And um, Conwell, who is not being really marketed well. I just had him on my Dark Horses of 2021. He's definitely someone to watch. And he's fighting on this card. And I don't know if it's on the pay-per-view or if it's on a prelim or showtime. But if you can watch it, watch it. It's one of the more talented fighters in boxing right now. On the UFC card on Saturday night. Remember, this uh, Jake Paul fight is Sunday. Sunday night. We got Edison Barbosa. Versus Giga. I got This guy's last name is... Uh, Charike? Giga, I'm just going to call him Giga. And Giga is very tall, very big for the weight. And this thing is Barbosa is pretty big for the weight because Barbosa is cutting down. From, I didn't think he could ever make this weight, but Giga is going to be a lot bigger than him going to the fight. And he definitely fights tall. And he's definitely very loose with his kicks. He's very, you know, stiff with his punches. His punches kind of remind me of Barbosa's in a way. But the only thing is he's got that reach from it and he knows how to use it. But his kicks are like whips. And so are Barbosa's, but now we're going to talk about range, right? And I think that Giga's pretty damn good at using his range. And he lands those liver kicks, those Giga kicks. I think that this fight, right, his kicks, his punches usually set up his kicks. I think his kicks are going to set up his punches in this fight. I think he's going to control the range. And I think that it's like the thing where you got two wrestlers, they kind of eliminate each other's wrestling. I think you got two guys in here who can kick 
it might eliminate each other's kicks. And I think that if Barbosa has to earn that range, he has to earn that distance, he doesn't have a lot of head movement. He kind of comes in straight forward. He's more of like an aggressive, straight-up fighter. And Giga has the high ground. And he's going to walk into Giga's big shots. I think Giga's going to land a big shot for Barbosa coming in. I think he's going to end the fight. Now, is this Giga's best opponent so far? I believe so. And if this fight starts going rounds, Giga's not unaware of that. He's won rounds before. He's won decisions. I think this is a you know very entertaining matchup. If you're making just matchups like... I'm not sure this matchup happens in boxing. It's that kind of matchup. Because it's like... Kind of reminds me, and not to this level, but Pacquiao-Yugas would never happen in boxing if there wasn't for Spence getting hurt. But in the UFC, that fight could happen because they kind of just go off the rankings. They're just like, hey, this guy's right next to this guy. Let's just make that happen. And that's where this fight is. And I'm just like, you know, Barbosa, this isn't the best fight for him. And he's on a two-fight win streak. And he's kind of, Barbosa's kind of a name. He's not humongous, but he's good enough to headline this main event, right? He's good enough to be the headline here. And you would think if you have Barbosa's manager, you're probably like, ah, this guy is kind of a tough matchup for him. And it kind of doesn't make sense for us to fight him right now. But it's happening. And Giga's going to be tested. And if he wins this, well, there's definitely going to be, you know, some big opportunities for him. And if Barbosa were to win this, he definitely might skyrocket to a fight away from being a number one contender in a, in a um, title fight. And I think that that probably was an incentive for him to take this fight. I'm going to take Giga. I think he has the, I think he's the first fight. I think he's a weight bully. I think he's very tall. I think he's very good range. I think his kicks are some of the best in MMA and in UFC. I think his punch is going to be effective, and I just think that he's a very exciting guy to watch. And when he gets when he gets you hurt, he goes for the kill. And I think he's going to go for the kill in this fight. Second round KO for Giga. This is a very interesting fight weekend. Does the Jake Paul roller coaster continue? Does it end? What's next for if Tyrone Willie were to win? You know, what, what happens there? Is a Jay Leon Love fight happen after that? Do they just put him in with Tommy Fury? There's, it, we're going to come out with some pretty big question marks, I think, at the end of this uh, weekend. But that's, that's, that's why fighting is so great to cover. It's year-round. And you got, like, sometimes, you know, NBA, you talk, and then they play and then there's the trade deadline then you got the you know playoffs all that is good you talk for a while but there's a point where the you know off season ends drafts over you don't talk and fighting is not ever like that it's just like every week there's something big happening whether it's ufc Peloton, mma boxing it doesn't matter there's something big always talk about i think this weekend we're gonna we have a lot to talk about but then we get to see it play out and then we're gonna talk again and we're gonna have more questions and i'm gonna have another take on something i like it I'm not against this whole Jake Paul thing. I think I've made that very clear, and I'm excited to see it. This is a real fight. These are two guys legitimately putting themselves on the line, coming in to fight. I can't wait to see it. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been the Ezra Podcast.